On this episode of Take Talks Business, I speak with Brian Poole, president of Mr. Reuter Plumbing of Virginia Beach. Brian, thank you so much for joining me and the listeners of Take Talks Business for, uh, for this episode. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, so for those who may not already know you in the market, um, can you give everybody a little bit of your professional background and how that has now led to being a franchisee with Mr. Reuter? Absolutely. So we'll start, I guess, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, 2004. Wow. 17 years ago. Wow. Graduated Christopher Newport University. A captain. I am a captain. <laughs> a proud captain. A proud right? captain. Um, so in 2004... May graduated. Uh, two weeks later, was supposed to move to Richmond, Virginia okay. to start the Ferguson Trainee Program Plumbing Distributor. Yeah. Hence a plumbing company. Yep. Uh, right before I started, literally two days, I got a call from the president asking if I would move to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Oh, wow. So I said, sure, it'll be great for my career. Let's yeah. move to Fredericksburg. So they paid to cancel my lease for an apartment in the West End of Richmond. Wow. Went up one day, found an apartment in Fredericksburg, and started the very next Monday. Wow. Um, so that was the start of my career in plumbing. Okay. Um, the Ferguson training program, you start in the warehouse, they move you to the counter to learn plumbing lingo, wow. and then you pick your career path at that point, whether it be outside sales, showroom, etc. Yeah. When I got on the counter, um, I actually met a master plumber who we actually invested in a house together, became okay. roommates, and started to learn the trade through him on weekends, etc. Oh, nice. Um, in 2007, promoted to outside sales in Greensboro, North Carolina, okay. working out of Burlington, which is about 30 miles from Greensboro. That lasted a little over a year. Um, bad experience, which we can get into later with management and leadership. Yeah. Decided to leave the industry completely. Oh, wow. Took a hard left turn into the world of radio advertising with 96X, <laughs> Bob FM, and the Sinclair yeah. family here locally in Norfolk. Yeah. And uh, yeah, great timing. Gotcha. 2008, 2009, the recession hits. Yeah. Um, get laid off at that point. Um, no advertising dollars are being spent. Yeah. I said, you know what, I want to get back into the mechanical industry. Okay. When I was with Ferguson um, and ran my own store in Stafford, Virginia, there was a company called Colonial Web that yes. literally sometimes would be 50% of my small store's revenue per month. Oh, wow. I said, I want to work for that company. Okay. Found out who the manager was and then got hired into a sales role at, Fer at excuse me, Colonial Web. Yeah. Um, from that point on... Got promoted to um, sales manager. And then in between all of that, getting promoted, working my butt off, I was actually doing an MBA program at William & Mary at night. Wow. Finished that in 2014. The very next week, I moved to Baltimore, Maryland with Colonial Web and started a new division to open up the state of Maryland for Colonial Web. Wow. Um, did that for... Two years, came home um, because of Miss Deborah Poole, who is now yeah. Miss Deborah Poole. Yeah. Um, took a job for a company that I thought I was going to stick around and get an ownership stake in. 
Didn't work out as planned as sometimes yeah. it does. Um, came home one day and said, Deborah, I think I want to start a plumbing company. And gotcha. She said, you're crazy as hell. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that's the story you're looking for, but that's how we ended up in the chair today. Yeah. Uh, that's the Cliff Notes version of, of the crazy whirlwind story. But no, that's very cool. And it's neat to hear that because as I've talked to people on the, these episodes in the past, one of the questions that I always ask is kind of the chicken egg uh, question, which is what came first? Were you the entrepreneur by nature, the, the business owner, um, that you kind of had that vision, you just had to figure out, okay, where's my niche? Or were you that individual that was really into a, a product, a service, an industry, and then realized if I want to do it the way I, that I want to do it, or the fact that I, I don't want to go work for somebody else, that I've got to be a business owner, which basically means I got to be an entrepreneur. So you obviously had a lot of schooling as your background, but then you also had the, the skills trade portion of it. So which do you feel like came first, just in your personality? I would say the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, I remember um, in middle school selling lollipops and blow pops to make a <laughs> You were the candy guy. I was yes. the candy man. Yes. Um, Back when we still had lockers. Yes. <laughs> Somehow my best friend's dad was the distributor for all the little leagues in Newport News, Virginia. So we oh, had no access way. to a warehouse of, you know, <laughs> good uh, profit margin candy. Yes. Uh, so that started the spirit uh, and then worked my way into cutting 10 lawns per weekend between okay. the ages of 12 and 14. Yeah. making good money at that point. That's great. At the same time, working a part-time job. So since the age of 10 or so, I've been trying to make a dollar. Yeah. You know, I saw my mom as a single mom with my dad in Arizona getting his PhD. My mom dropping me off at school at 6 a.m. when no one was there till 7. Right? She oh, might yeah. go to jail these days for that. <laughs> but she had to make a living to support us. Yeah. And so we, my brother, my sister, and I have had that drive. The whole time. So it was certainly an entrepreneurial spirit from yeah. from very early. Yeah. Um, got into the corporate world. So on the opposite side, when I first started at Ferguson, they walk around and say, so what do you want to be in your career? I said, CEO. Oh, wow. And they looked at me like I was crazy because yeah. nobody else in our in our group, our peer group said that of the yeah. new trainees. And yeah. so it's been there. Yeah. It really has. So um, Mr. Reuter, it's a franchise setup. Um, and as I like to tell a lot of our listeners, and, and, I, and I bang this drum a lot, is that um, uh, while it may be a quote-unquote national name on the front door, um, a lot of your franchise owners are truly local, locally owned, locally run, locally employed uh, businesses. Um, so the, the question that comes up a lot is basically, why the choice between essentially doing it on your own, creating your own brand, your own awareness, and, and going with a, a franchise structure? Um, can you explain some of the, 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 the pluses and minuses of how that structure works for you and, and why you chose to go that route? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go back to the first part where people's misunderstanding of what a franchise is. Yeah. Okay. So yes, we are a national brand. Basically, the franchise is we pay a franchise rights fee to represent their name and their brand. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. They get a fee for doing that. Yeah. Everything else is local, right? 24 employees, 
that we support live local. Yeah. Their family is another probably 70 to 90 people we support local. Yeah. Payroll, very expensive. All gets dumped into the local market. So we are certainly a local company. Yeah. Deborah and I shop local every single day. We keep all of our money in Hampton Roads. Yeah. The reason why we went the franchise model is because we wanted to shorten the learning curve. We're, okay. You know, getting into a business where I knew some of the plumbing trade, but not enough, not a master plumber needed to have a master plumber. I had a contractor's license. I had a business degree. I knew marketing. I had an MBA. But the operation side is something else. Gotcha. Basically, the operations handed you or the franchise handed you an operations booklet with a built-in service Titan ERP that minimized the learning curve per se with building out platforms. Yeah. That's why we went the franchise model for our first company. So it really goes beyond just the marketing aspect of it. It's not just a branding uh, advantage. It's a, it's an operational advantage yeah. as well. It is. It, I look at it more of an operational excellence yeah. versus a marketing and advertising okay. excellence. Wow. Now we do contribute funds to a national fund campaign yeah. that comes out of Waco, Texas, and also Dallas now. But ninety nine percent of marketing is done on a hyper local basis, which Deborah handles. Okay. So it all stays wow. local. Yes, wow. sir. Wow, that's great. That's great. And of course, with your background within marketing, obviously that was probably a big benefit for you just because you had already had the experience from the marketing aspect of it. Now you're just getting to market your own company instead of somebody else's. Sometimes, yeah, it's true. Like <laughs> we did have an advantage where we understood marketing. Yeah. But man, with PPC, Google, the internet, it's a moving target. <laughs> yeah. I might be a sharpshooter one day, or Deborah might be a sharpshooter one day, and the next day you're wondering to yourself, what just happened? Oh, yeah. And we're all on the phones trying to figure out how to generate the business. So, gotcha. uh, But we definitely dedicate a lot of time, a lot of effort into marketing and advertising and staying in front of the local customer. Gotcha. Um, so services um, because I, I, I never want to get too far into a conversation without the listeners having a clear understanding of of what services or products you do offer um, how expansive is that um, even from a geographic standpoint who do you serve within the Hampton Roads community um, so you can you get into a little bit of that so that our customers have a clear understanding of who you all are and what you offer yeah so, in terms of geography, basically south of all the tunnels okay. on Hampton Roads. Gotcha. Between Norfolk, Rapid to Portsmouth, Suffolk, Chesapeake, obviously Virginia Beach. Yeah. So, we handle all of South Hampton Roads. Okay. In terms of our services, um, well, we do a lot. <laughs> it's mostly residential. Okay. Probably 90%, 85% residential. Gotcha. 10 to 15% commercial. Okay. In terms of the services, drain cleaning, fixture replacement, water heater replacements, a lot of our work is underground. Oh, okay. Sewer line replacement, sewer line repairs. Oh, wow. The biggest advance we've made in the last 12 to 18 months, we've invested heavily in the technology. Oh, gotcha. Meaning we now offer pipelining, pipe coating, pipe patching. Gotcha. So if the sewer line in your slab is deteriorated because it's a 1960s home yeah. we can now go in the pipe without tearing up your home 
Not all the time. Yeah. I don't want to guarantee it because some yeah. pipe is too deteriorated to do that. Gotcha. But a lot of times we can now go in and coat the pipe from the inside without destroying your home. Wow. So, and we're trying to get more services like that. Yeah. Uh, we just bought a trailer that's getting outfitted now, a 17-foot trailer. Okay. So we can house everything in there. So, yeah, we offer a lot of services. Our next jump is into the commercial world world, or to continue on that path. Yeah. Since we're landlocked geographically, right, we have to go up vertically into different vertical markets. So commercial and and multifamily is our next big push. Gotcha. Uh, Really happy about that. I actually hired a salesperson and promoted a salesperson to do outbound sales. Nice. So really exciting times, man. We're really, really happy about what's going on. Well, and when Deborah showed me around... um, couple weeks back uh, one of the things that I noticed she talked a little bit about what you're saying as far as the pipe coating and some of the new technology that's available to that but one of the things I was struck by and, and it makes sense because obviously technology and advancements come along throughout the decades um, but what I wasn't aware of is how drastically different some of those pipe systems are from even like neighborhood to neighborhood Um, community to community, whether it's business, residential. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that difference? And and like, obviously most of us that own our homes probably don't even know what's under there. Um, But she was explaining how based on when some of the houses were built, there may be some potential for damage based on the fact that the way those pipes were created or the materials used. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So depending on when your home was constructed. Okay. It could be PVC if it's in the started in the eighties. Okay. Moving forward. Gotcha. Before that would have been a cast iron most okay. of the time in your slab. Yeah. And then sometimes we even run into what's called Orangeburg, um, which is a whole different type of, of sewer line pipe. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's a vast variety of pipes in your slab, in your walls. In your attic, gotcha. underground, yeah, and that determines how we can approach the situation. Okay, but there are certain neighborhoods throughout every city and locality in Southampton Roads that has some very old pipe. Yeah, and we know it's just a matter of time. Gotcha. We've literally gone street to street in a neighborhood without even leaving, knowing that there would be another slab job wow. where we would have to tear up an entire home, which is wow. the most disheartening thing you could ever do for a homeowner. Yeah. Sometimes they're out of their home for a month or two based on the amount of contractors that need to come in. Gotcha. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of different piping systems in Hampton Roads. You and I talked about this the last time we got together um, and it's something that comes up. It's a topic that literally I can't have a conversation as a representative of the chamber without talking about right now, and that's staffing a workforce. And I know it's something you take a great deal of pride in, um, not only just because you're proud of the staff that you have, but the fact that you have such a good quality staff at a time when a lot of companies are really struggling to keep people uh, on their uh, payrolls. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you've approached that and, and how you've been successful with your team? Sure. I'll give you a story to start this. Okay. Uh, this whole talk about pay and our staffing. Yeah. So earlier this year, we had actual personal friend of myself and Deborah that worked here. Okay. Uh, went out for maternity or paternity leave, came back and handed in his notice. Okay. And said that uh, he got a job paying 
much higher wage than what he was making here, even yeah. though he had no experience in this trade, yeah. had no experience going into another trade. And then said a few disheartening things, not about us personally, but about the pay scale. Oh, okay. And it hit Deborah and I pretty hard, right? So we called a manager's meeting instantly, and that morning lined out the entire company on a sheet of paper, wrote down their current wage, wrote down what they were going to go to to make sure that they were at market or above market standards, and then implemented raises that day, called them all in individually, and that started a different trajectory. Before that, we were trying to be the employer of choice, Mm -hmm. right? We would say, okay, if we treat the employee right, the employee will then treat the customer right, the employee will then be happy to hand us over a sum of money for that work, which will then reinvest. But after that point, uh, we developed a an employee retention program. Okay. We did a bonus program. Wow. And it's really, really set the stage for what we've done. A year ago at this time, we had maybe nine employees. We're up to 23 wow. as of this morning. Wow. Um, so we take a lot of pride in employee development now yeah. and making sure that they are making the top wage if they deserve it. Yeah. Um, staffing is the hardest thing in the trades right now. Yeah. We're not immune to it, but from everything we've implemented, I think we have a reputation in the market now of one, you're treated humanely. You're not a number. You're not yeah. employee 12, yeah. right? You're Jamal or you're Sean or you're Adam. Tonight, their families are going to come here and we're going to have a smoke off and and we're going to celebrate what we've done this year. That's so cool. I think all of these little things combined, these little pieces of the pie have con- you know, contributed to this beautiful pie that we're making. Yeah. That's so great. that answers your question. Obviously, that was kind of one lesson learned. Were there any other lessons learned as you got in as a business owner that you look back on and go, gosh, if I had only known? Um, they didn't teach me that at CNU. <laughs> Where do you start? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Deborah says that every week somebody asks a question. She's like, I get an MBA literally every single week working here. <laughs> right? So she's not going to invest the sum of money that I did for it. <laughs> Gosh, if I knew now what I knew then, or vice versa. Man, there's so many lessons. Entrepreneurship is the most rewarding thing you could ever do. Yeah when it's successful, but it's also the most grinding uh, event of my life. You know, I remember going home crying at times it was so difficult, right? So perseverance is the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah. I've learned to compartmentalize. Bad things happen. Yeah. It's inevitable. Whether it's life, bad things happen to good people. Yeah. Right? You hit a bad golf shot that ends up in the middle of the fairway or the middle of the green and you scratch your head, right? You rip one off the tee, hits something in the middle of the fairway and bounces in the rough. Stuff happens, right? It's being able to compartmentalize that, set it aside, and focus on the goal at hand. Gotcha. Right? And I've tried to instill that in in every single employee. Yeah. I, if I'm able to use a bad word, we literally have a shitty job. Yeah. You know, pun intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so naturally, it's going to be some very bad days. Yeah. Right? yeah. But at the end of the day, you're making somebody's life better. Yeah. So compartmentalizing perseverance. I mean, I remember the first year. There were times when, am I going to make payroll? 
I didn't take a salary for two years. You persevere through all that. And now everything is switched to, okay, how can I be a leader? How can I make sure that I instill certain values, certain drive, certain things into every employee, no matter which position you're in in the company? Um, So I've certainly learned a lot. I could write a list. If I'd have been prepared for that one, we'd have a long, long list, right? That's funny. If we could have Deborah in on this one, because then it would say, okay, what did you both learn about each other and what to do? Because working with your wife is is certainly a unique thing. Yeah. Um, But that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah that's happened to date is being able to, to work with Deborah. You that's know? cool. Um, and we can get into that if you'd like, because yeah. that's certainly a well, long story. It truly is a, a, a family environment in that case. Um, but, and as, a, as someone who, now you have your own business, it, it's obviously net, it's successful, um, and you talk about compartmentalizing. Um, how have you found did you have to kind of teach your way through it? Did you have to find, was there someone that kind of helped you along the way to kind of figure out how do I compartmentalize that? Because now, like, I'm it. Like, I'm at the top and everything's going to come to me. And, and, and if, if the lights don't work, somebody's calling me up. If, if somebody doesn't call in for come to work today, somebody's calling me. So especially as you were growing your team, because as you said, I mean, you went from 9 to 23, how have you learned as a professional to kind of compartmentalize that, that time and that space? Wow. <laughs> so day one, when we opened the doors, February 2nd of 2017, I knew if I didn't make the decision, yeah. it wasn't getting made. Yeah. And the buck stopped right there with me. Yeah. And I've lived that motto the whole time. I know okay. if it reaches my desk, a decision has to be made. Yeah. Tell them all the time, look, uh, no decision is worse than a bad decision. Yeah. Just make a decision. Yeah. We can correct that decision. Now, since we've got the 23 employees, I've learned compartmentalizing, learning to do what I do best, and then also learning what I don't do very well, which is a very <laughs> long list right? that Deborah sometimes points out to me. <laughs> so now it's more of delegating the things that Number one, I don't do well, yeah. or she doesn't do well. And number two, that doesn't move the company forward. Yeah, Time is valuable these days. Yeah. And um, I remember listening to a podcast the other day from the CEO of Boxed. Oh, yeah. And he was out in the warehouse packaging. And his lead investor came on site, saw it, and pulled him in the office and said, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, I'm showing the employees that I can do what they do. Are you moving the company forward? By you not focusing on things that move the company forward, you're now taking away from where the company can be. Yeah. And that really struck, struck a chord. Yeah. So we tried to do the same things. Um, but I'll tell you what, the compartmentalizing, getting back to that, it takes a lot. Yeah. Because we probably get 100 calls a day where maybe 30% are an issue going on, yeah. whether it be a current project a service call that we did. Yeah. But understanding that everything is fixable. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. We're above ground. We're doing, you know, <laughs> we don't have much to complain about, right? Yeah. A roof over our head and we're above ground. Life yeah. is pretty damn good. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. So that's how we live. You know, yeah. make, find out what you do well and keep rocking at it. That's if you don't do it well, find someone or hire someone smarter than you that does it well and that'll help you grow even quicker. Yeah, that's great. So 
so we've talked a lot about the past and kind of how where you are now. So what do you see as the future for you and your team? I mean, if we get back together again in a few years from now, um, where do you see uh, Mr. Ruder Virginia Beach um, and your team? Great question. Come back. So obviously we would like to be number one, the most recognized mechanical company in Hampton Roads, yeah. Southampton Roads. Not just for revenue, but for also treating our employees, right? Yeah. Uh, we set out a vision, Deborah and I, for that purpose. It wasn't to enrich ourselves, it was to help others be enriched. Yeah. I mean, we have 24 guys, right? We had two buy a house this year. It means a lot to us to be able to do that. Yeah. So, but obviously we want to be recognized as the best company in Hampton Roads. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. We're not just a plumbing company when you come back. We have an HVAC arm. Okay. We've been looking for a company for quite some time. We just haven't found the right one to uh, either take a majority stake or buy outright. Gotcha. Um, we know with climate change comes industry change yeah we're always looking for what is solar power what is wind energy going to bring in terms of how building envelopes and housing envelopes look yeah uh, we invest a lot in technology and hence the uh, lining and coating equipment so we yeah. know that we need to reinvest in the company and we're going to stay on the forefront of technology or you're going to be left behind yeah so in that case, if you come back, we don't know what we're going to have in the warehouse. <laughs> Hopefully we're not here because we have a much bigger space because we've already yeah. outgrown this space in one year. Yeah. Um, what else goes on if you come back? Um, we'd like to own the home. Yeah. We, you know, if there's another service, whether it be pest control or you name it, handyman yeah. service, maybe we're into that. So Deborah yeah. and I have a lot of different ideas. We'd like to get into government contracting. So okay. we have a lot of different ideas of what we want to do. So cool. cool. World domination. Let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I just want to be able to personally, you know, work my butt off, but maybe have one day every couple of weeks to play golf. That's, you gotta, that's, yeah, you got to get the 18 holes yeah. in at least occasionally. That's yeah. world domination yeah. to me is being able to play 18 holes there of golf. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so. Perfect. I think there's probably a lot of listeners that agree with that. So uh, before we wrap up, we talked uh, about marketing. We talked about reaching out. For those who are going to hear this podcast and, and connect, um, how do they find you? Where do they find you? What's the best way to reach out to you guys? So, we are Mr. Rooter Plumbing of Virginia Beach, but that does not mean we only service Virginia Beach, okay. as I said earlier. So, yeah. people get that misconstrued. Yeah. The easiest place to find us is online or all over the place, social media. Our website is mrrooter.com forward slash Virginia hyphen beach. Okay. People could call the office at 757-716-7557 and reach Perfect. any of us. Perfect. Uh, social, what I said was social media. We have a Facebook account, Instagram, okay. I'm sure Twitter. Yeah. I'm sure we have all that. Deborah cool. handles a lot of that um, <laughs> with the sales and marketing. So who knows what she's added this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, so there's if a lot of places to find us. If the platform exists, you're probably there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I have to give her a shout out. This wouldn't be possible. Um, without her keeping it all straight. That's awesome. You know, she came in full time in 2019 and you could actually see the the curve 
and the lines start to go more vertical than horizontal when she came on board. And uh, she had begged me to come on board for quite a while, and I was a stubborn man, (laughs) saying we had to get to a certain level of revenue and a certain income for myself. And and she said, nope, you need me. And lo and behold, guess what? (laughs) I think I did. Build it, and they will come. And they yep. Did. Yep. Yep. So, so very cool. And look for our red trucks with Mr. Rooter on the road, a dozen or so running around, bright red. Awesome. Uh, if they're speeding, please call me. So. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and talk to the listeners. Um, congratulations on your success, um, especially at a time when, for many, it's, it's, it has been a struggle. Um, and you guys have continued to, to really thrive and, and look like that's not going to slow down anytime soon. So congratulations to you, to Deborah, and the entire team. Well, thank you so much for coming in. It has been a successful uh, previous year. I don't want to discount how lucky we've been and how blessed we've been because I know there's a lot of businesses out there that are struggling. So um, it'll get better. I know it will. Um, if you need any help, please give us a call. Deborah and I are here to help. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you to the listeners at Tech Talks Business. We'll catch you on the next episode.